Good morning and welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright, so happy to be with you today. And uh, it is just a wonderful morning and the day promises to get even better. So we are, well, we're just looking forward to everything today. Let's pray and then we'll get started here. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today on the show, we're going to talk with Doug Berry again. Doug was with us recently. We were talking about Ephesians 5, and there was something that sticks out in that passage that I really wanted to go a little deeper in conversation with Doug about. So we're going to do that today. For our radio listeners, we're going to be hearing about the institution of the Eucharist today in a couple of different ways. And we're also going to be talking about eternal perspective as we are in this season of... Easter. I almost said Advent. It's most decidedly not Advent. Uh, but eternal perspective, the conversion experience, and more. And exciting, you know, it's not really exciting news for you. And exciting news for me, I have a new button here. And uh, theoretically, when we go to the weather here in just a moment, all I have to do is hit a button and it's going to go to the weather. But if it doesn't go to the weather, you'll know that I messed up and I hit the button incorrectly. But it's the little things in life, right? You ever notice that it's the little things in life that they can just bring you a lot of joy? Uh, you know, last night we were just sitting around the living room and singing songs on the guitar. There was no video game, no ultra 4K high definition screen, no stereo surround sound. It was me and five kids and six strings and a pick. And uh, we had ourselves a good old time. So I love the simple things in life. Let's go now to Mike Roberts for today's weather. Today is the feast day of St. Teresa of Los Andes. Born in Santiago, Chile, her baptismal name was Juana Fernandez, and she was the fourth of six children. Her parents, Miguel and Lucia, were devout Catholics, and as a young girl, she read The Story of a Soul by St. Therese of Lisieux and was blessed with a call to a much deeper journey with the Lord. In 1919, she entered the novitiate of the Discalced Carmelites in Los Andes and took the name Teresa of Jesus. Very soon after, she began an apostolate of letter writing, sending out her spiritual thoughts and insights. But almost as quickly, she contracted typhus and became gravely ill. She took her final vows, and then on this day in 1919, six months before her 19th birthday, she died. After her death, and in part because of her writings, Teresa became extremely popular in Chile, becoming known as the Flower of the Andes. She was canonized in 1993 by St. Pope John Paul II, and every year more than 100,000 pilgrims visit her shrine. St. Teresa of Los Andes, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. 
Recently, Doug Berry was with us. We were talking about Ephesians 5, and uh, we were having a great conversation. We just ran out of time. So today I want to pick back up. And, Doug, it's great to have you back with us. We're looking at the second part of this passage around verses 26 and 27, where husbands are exhorted to love their wives, even as Christ loved the church and handed himself over for her. And, And why did he do that? Our Lord did that, that he might present to himself the church in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not the Lord and I'm not presenting anyone to myself, but one day my wife is going to stand before the Lord and one day I am as well. And I have a feeling there could be some questions. Uh, Adam, what did you do so that she could stand here in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing? It's Easy to philosophize about it, but we have plenty of opportunities in the everyday, uh, quote-unquote, mundane life to make sure we're guarding her purity. Yeah, and and one thing I'd like to address at the beginning of this, Adam, is looking at this from more of an interior standpoint, not just a spiritual interior standpoint, but the psychology of just humanity, okay? Because a lot of times it's very easy to get focused sometimes on the, the the list of things that needs to be done. And that's important because it's life and we have to go through life and take care of different things. However, the emotional and psychological part of what's going on inside a human being needs to be acknowledged. And I think one thing that has to be looked at when it comes to helping your wife be prepared to stand before God and present her without spot or blemish or any such wrinkle and so forth, is understanding that this emotional psychological part of who she is needs to be loved and addressed. You you, you take that particular moment that your wife is going through something and you address it lovingly, patiently, and help her through it, strengthen her through it. Ladies, you've got to do the same thing for us men. There's no question because we're human too. Sometimes guys get kind of stuck with that. "Ah, He doesn't feel anything. He doesn't talk about his feelings. That doesn't mean we don't have them. All right. But in general, not a blanket statement, women can easily shift sometimes when it comes to this. Now, that's the feminine genius part of them as well that God created. They have the ability to nurture so wonderfully because they can shift that emotional piece of themselves very, very, very quickly. I think more so than men. My kids would say to me, yeah, when we were when we were hurt and we needed tenderness, we'd go to mom. But when we were scared and we needed protection, we'd go to dad. Now, the reason I wanted to spend some time on that first, Adam, is because that's a key part of our humanity. And we've got to understand that God put us together. And because that key part of our humanity is there, if it's ignored or or not, not dealt with in a way that's compassionate and strong and trying to order things the way God would want, then we're missing a major part, a beautiful part of a person in general, but especially our wives. So I can lead her in the rosary. I can say we're getting a mass every Sunday and confession every two weeks, and we're doing the five first Saturdays and the nine first Fridays, and I can say we're doing all this and establishing that. That is also very, very key and very important. But if I don't, on a day-to-day basis, pay attention to the humanity that God has created her with, and I don't look at those emotions, those feelings, and those thoughts, and those, those changes that happen throughout the day based on whatever events occur and unfold, and I don't address that, And then lovingly, patiently, as Christ does for the church, does Christ not patiently address the changes going on in our world and our faith and our church? Of course he does. Does he still hold true relentlessly to what the deposit of faith is all about? Of course he does. 
but he's still patient in the process of looking at the details and the nuances of all the little things that happen. And we men, I think, need to do that every day with our wives. My confessor once said to me, Adam, you're the captain. This is the ship. You're the captain. You set the mood. If you're calm, they're calm. If you build them up, they're built up. If you tear them down, the ship falls apart. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite paintings ever is the uh, the painting of uh, Jesus in the boat. Um, it's a Rembrandt, I believe, and it's the painting of Jesus in the front of the boat. You know, the famous story of him sleeping in the boat when the storm is raging, and then they wake him up. You know, we're, we're going to die, Master. Don't you care? And it, but he stands up in the front of the boat and he says, "Be still," and everything calms down. And my wife said to me one time, she said, you know, that's you. When you come home, you know, we're in the thick of raising five kids at the time and homeschooling. And she said, when you come home, you have that, that ability. It's the fact that you are, you are the husband and the father. You are this man. She says something to me that encourages and points something out clearly what my role is and how it helps. And so when you come in the house, you can set that tone by simply saying, you know, hey, be still. I would say, you know, if, if, a, if a mother yells out the door in the evening, you know, uh, Jimmy, it's supper time. But, you know, the, Jimmy would, ah, it's just my mom, don't worry about it. But if dad yells out the, wind, out the front door, Jimmy, every kid goes home, okay? <laughs> because, you know, the strength of a man's voice, the strength of a man's position. When it is a position and he's using that strength, I should say, in a godly way, in a prayerful way, that that only magnifies it and amazing things can happen. So yeah, you're right about that captain of the ship piece. That that's a key thing, but that captain of the ship is willing to go down with the ship. He's not going to abandon the ship. He's not going to abandon his crew. And so we men can't abandon. And when we make mistakes, I want to emphasize this for the men. Get back up. Keep moving forward. I don't care if you're crawling into the confessional, get in the confessional if you have to because you need to be that faithful, holy captain of this ship. All right, Doug Barry, thank you so much for being with us to talk about Ephesians 5, these last two episodes that we've had you on. I look forward to our next conversation. I do too, Adam. God bless you, my friend. Act of faith. Oh my God, I firmly believe that thou art one God and three divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I believe that thy divine Son became man and died for our sins and that he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe these and all the truths which the Holy Catholic Church teaches, because thou hast revealed them who canst neither deceive nor be deceived. Amen. Our catechist question today is, how old was St. Faustina when she died? You know, St. Faustina we remember because Sunday is Divine Mercy Sunday coming up. How old was St. Faustina? I'll tell you what, I'll even give you a, uh, well, no, I'm not going to give you a multiple choice here. I'll, I'll just say this. Is it going to be more than 40 years or less than 40 years? More than 40 years old or less than 40 years old? St. Faustina was 33 years old. She was born August 25th, 1905 and died October 5th, 1938 the age of 33, uh, but with a reputation for spiritual maturity and mystical union with God. Which, by the way, speaking of Divine Mercy, what's your plan? Uh, you know, are you going to go participate in Divine Mercy Sunday events? You should. You should. We all should. We should embrace this gift that our Lord gives us, this great celebration. And I'm grateful for St. John Paul II and St. Faustina for helping us foster our devotion 
to the mercy of our Lord, the divine mercy of our Lord. Jesus, I trust in you. We're going to get you another check of the weather here and then the daily dose of encouragement. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. Vocation prayer for youth. Oh, Holy Spirit, spirit of wisdom and divine love, impart your knowledge, understanding, and counsel to youth that they may know the vocation wherein they can best serve God. Give them courage and strength to follow God's holy will. Guide their uncertain steps. Strengthen their resolutions. Shield their chastity. Fashion their minds. Conquer their hearts. And lead them to the vineyards where they will labor in God's holy service. Amen. It is Wednesday in the octave of Easter, and it's a good time to pause for our daily dose of encouragement as we continue to look at some favorite Easter gospel stories with Patty Schneier. Well, Monday we talked about the soldiers, the guards who were guarding the tomb. Yesterday we talked about Mary Magdalene and him calling her by name. Today, one of my favorite gospel stories after the resurrection is the road to Emmaus, Luke 24. We know that one of the travelers, his name was Cleopas. We don't know the name of the other one. We don't know if he was traveling with another man or a woman. We really don't know. They are downcast. They are walking out of town. And Jesus walks along with them and asks them what they're talking about. And he explained all the scriptures to them, and they still didn't recognize it was him, though they did urge Jesus to stay with them. I love that. Even when we can't see clearly, even when we feel like we're walking in the dark, if we just ask Jesus to stay with us, he will. Stay with me. Stay with me. And then when the time is right, they were ready, and Jesus reveals himself to them in the Eucharist, in the breaking of the bread, and then they, they can finally recognize him. So I think this is just a beautiful lesson for all of us. We might be downcast. We might be traveling in the wrong direction. We might not see Jesus in our midst, but we can keep saying, Jesus, stay with me. Stay with us in our family. Stay with me in this illness. Stay with me in my struggles. And then help me to open my eyes to see your presence all around me. And then when we are ready to receive the graces that God wants to give us, we will have a heart that is open. But first we have to ask our Lord, stay with us, and he will. When I think of that phrase, stay, I think more of the garden on Holy Thursday. Could you not stay and keep watch with me one hour? And how the tables have turned on us in this Easter week that we're the ones saying, stay, stay. It's a really beautiful thought to consider. Well, what to say as we wrap up today. You know, there was something that uh, struck me the other night in the Easter Vigil as we were listening to the readings and it was from the readings from Baruch you know how often do we read Baruch you know that's that's a good question for us um, seek the Lord while he can be found right seek the Lord while he can be found call him while he is near let the scoundrel forsake his way and the wicked man his thoughts let him turn to the Lord for mercy to our God who is generous in forgiving for my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways says the Lord as high as the heavens are above the earth so high are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above 
your thoughts. This passage in Baruch comes to us as we're hearing in the prophecy about what the Lord will do. I mean, renewing the covenant, the benefits assured to David. Um, It's a great thing. But, you know, as I was sitting there in the pew, one of the things I couldn't help but think was, wait a minute, seek the Lord while he may be found. Is there a time that might come where he wouldn't be found? I mean, God transcends time. God is and was. He's the beginning and the end. God will always be. He always has been. He always will be. As we've heard, I am who am is what he responds to Moses when he says, who shall I say has sent me? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call him while he is near. You know, the more and more I've sat with this over the past few days, one thing has become increasingly clear. Is it so much that God disappears or that I remove myself from him? You know, not that he doesn't want to be near, but I run far away. I run far, far away in my actions and my thoughts and my words. That's really kind of the question. I was thinking of when I was a kid, and, I, and my kids do this too, and I imagine when you were a kid, maybe you did something similar. or you're, If you have kids, your kids did this too or do this too, that when they're upset, you know, especially my, my one daughter, whenever I say, you know, we are stopping the plane right now because we have to clean up. I have asked you five times to clean up. If you don't put that toy away, if you don't put that book away, there's going to be trouble. You know, it's time to clean up that she runs and she hides under her covers. One of my kids used to go hide in their closet. I used to hide in the closet. I used to hide under a cover in the closet, right? Because I didn't want to be near anyone and I didn't want them to see them. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. Again, going back to that, call him while he is near. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call him while he is near. I was thinking about this. The, the more and more we separate ourselves from the Lord. The more and more that I say, you know what, I don't, I, I love the way Father Ripperger put this the other day, that, you know, that, that capital sin, the deadly sin of lust, and then the daughter sins of that, that if, if this, one of the things you do is you get angry with the rules of the church because of the teachings on chastity, right? And then you don't want to be part of those. So you keep moving farther and farther and farther away until all of a sudden you realize you're alone, Right. And it's not that God has left you. It's that you have left God. Guilty as charged, by the way. I've, I've done this in my life. And then we have a hard time seeing, well, how is he working? How is he calling me? How does, it, does he really love me? Because now here I am. If he loved me, would he have let me stray so far away? And the answer is he loves you and he wants you back and he wants you to come back. So it's a good reminder for us to never get too far away, never stray too far away. There's more to it than that, but that's all we have time for this morning. It's a great reading from the Easter Vigil from Baruch. Um, Actually, no, that was Isaiah. I take that back. I keep thinking Baruch because I like to say Baruch, but it was Isaiah this whole time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. And amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. It's like my buddy Brian used to say, Adam, the church got a good laugh, and God still got all the glory. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Have a blessed day. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven, and pray your rosary today.